Hey, this is Shannon from Slapdash, and this episode is sponsored by 606 Iron. Located in the Big M Plaza in Whitley City, Kentucky, 606 Iron has cardio equipment, free weights, numerous weight training machines, weekly kettleball classes, and tanning beds. Stop by 606 Iron for membership information or call 606-310-4918. History of science and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to the next. It's a great big world with so much to know. Like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you want to be a smarty, better learn something fast. With Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing the history of Jason Voorhees, the hockey mask-wearing killer from the Friday the 13th franchise. Across the table is a man who enjoys moonlit strolls near infamous murder lakes, Jason, not Voorhees, Creekmore. How are you, man? I'm doing well, Shannon. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's a, it's a good night. It's kind of kind of a spooky Halloweeny night, right? It is. Yeah, the yeah. moon's almost full. Yeah, kind of has that fog in the air a little bit. Sure. Kind of, uh, you know, you can sort of expect Jason just to pop around the corner any second. This is a night where Jason could be afoot. That's I right. feel maybe a little bit. Jason Friday the Thirteenth is a cult classic, and love or hate it, its impact on popular culture and specifically the slasher genre cannot be overstated. So, are you a fan of Friday the Thirteenth and Jason Voorhees? I am a big fan because so first of all, my name's Jason. It, it sure okay, is. So yeah. I remember the first time I watched the the movie, I didn't really know that, and uh, and <laughs> you I didn't thought, know your name was Jason. No, I mean. <laughs> You have to kind of work with me. Like, I'm with you. Mother, what is it you call me again? <laughs> no, uh, I was watching the movie, and then someone said Jason, and I was like, hey, because I, I was really young, right? Right. And I was like, wait a minute, what's his name? You know, and then so that, that sort of, I was like scared of myself for like an hour or two after that. You know, I thought somehow <laughs> that's why my mother named me that, you know, uh, or whatever. So, no, but I, I'm a huge fan. I mean, uh, as uh, as you can see, and I think as we have posted pictures, I have some lovely uh, Jason Voorhees socks right here. You sure do. That my that's wife cool. uh, bought me uh, last night uh, at right. the mall. Uh, I came in with my hockey mask. You did. Yep. And, of course, my name's Jason, so I'm, I'm ready to go. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan. I mean, if, if, you, if you like horror movies, you know, Friday the 13th, you just have to include that. My wife and I have been watching these back from the beginning. So, uh, <laughs> we, we knew we were going to do this episode a few weeks ago, right? We right. sat down, we plotted everything out. And just a couple of weeks ago, Alex and I started watching uh, Friday the 13th Part 1. And we've we've made our way up to about part five or, or part six. They kind of start to run together there. So you've seen <laughs> you've seen some solid acting. We oh, it's it's been top notch <laughs> acting all the way through. All the I'm way sure through. straight Oscars, man. It's just been good. <laughs> but yeah, we we came to a point where we started talking about them afterwards and trying to figure out which one was which. Because they literally run together. Oh, I could easily see that. Yeah. And at one point, Alex looks at me and she says, oh, you know which one I'm talking about. It's the one where the girl's running through the woods and Jason's after. <laughs> oh, was, that one. I was like, is that the one where she falls down inexplicably and can't get up? <laughs> yeah, that one. That one. I was like, oh. And the okay. car doesn't start, right? The, 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 uh, the engine won't turn She's over? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> is it the one with the hockey mask? <laughs> We're talking about Jason Voorhees here, but it didn't actually start with Jason Voorhees, right? It did not. So how did this franchise get its start? I want to take you way back. Let's go. Shannon. So Friday the 13th hit the big screen in 1980 and was an instant success. Uh, the original film was written by Victor Miller and directed by Sean Cunningham. 
The movie had a production cost of $550,000, but it made almost $6 million in the opening weekend worldwide. And to date, it has made nearly $60 million. Pretty good return. Just huh? part one. I think that's a pretty good pretty good business model. Now, while this episode uh, is on the history of Jason Voorhees, Jason is not the killer in part one. So, spoiler alert right Uh-oh. there. I, well, I mean, you've had 40 years to watch this. So, you know, if you haven't watched it by now, that's on you. You're lagging you know. behind in pop that, culture. That's right. Uh, but, you know, in fact, Jason is, uh, is really only in one scene for like three or four seconds in a jump scare toward the end of the movie. Oh, but it's pretty rough. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember you telling me. Well, okay, first of all, it is kind of rough. I mean, it it, it, it sort of gets you. But I remember you you talking you know, the other night, and you said, "I totally forgot about that." And you said that scared me to death. <laughs> it did. The the whole rest of the movie's not that bad. I mean, honestly, like scare wise, my wife and I were just we were just kind of making fun of it. Like, here it comes making right, light, yeah. like you know, oh that happened. Oh that's funny. That's silly. <laughs> oh, you can see the wire when that happened. You know, talking about all all that yeah. stuff, and then the the end that jump scare. And then all of a sudden when uh uh adolescent jason covered in algae comes out of the (laughs) comes out of the water you're like oh my god man it's awful she's sitting on the boat they're just playing some music (laughs) and it's just like so peaceful and serene she's just defeated well you're gonna get into that so i won't spoil it all but uh yeah jason just sort of pops out of the lake at the most inopportune (laughs) time and he's not even in the movie no (laughs) it's not even about jason (laughs) that's the ultimate jump scare it's like yeah yeah so while friday the 13th for sure borrowed some storylines I, I i think it's safe to say from from halloween right quite a bit. halloween came out a couple of years earlier we're going to have a whole episode on on halloween and, and uh, specifically michael myers uh but you know obviously friday the 13th with with jason big strong killer mask etc part one of the franchise however was was obviously a little different the first movie was really more of a murder mystery because again jason wasn't really in the first one the plot of the film is pretty straightforward a group of young adults arrive at camp crystal lake to begin training and to make preparations for the kids the camp has a little bit of a dark history including the accidental drowning of a young boy all of the counselors show up and one by one they all get murdered oh yeah (laughs) that's 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 a pretty common theme throughout all the friday the 13th Uh, eventually only a single girl imagine that Mm -hmm. named alice remains alice is in a cabin scared to death when suddenly she sees headlights from outside the window she runs out thinking that it's her boyfriend but is surprised when an older woman gets out of the vehicle a really big surprise too yeah you're like this is her first appearance in the whole movie (laughs) yeah so people have been slaughtered and all of a sudden this you're like who is this right so the woman introduces herself as mrs Voorhees, like it's totally logical right well i'm just i'm mrs Voorhees, child (laughs) that name too i I have no idea where that comes comes from but man uh, and that she, you know, she explains to uh, Alice that she used to work at the camp. And then once inside the the cabin, she she soon explains that it was her son Jason who was the boy who drowned. A moment later, Mrs. Voorhees just freaks out, <laughs> and she tries to kill Alice, proving that uh, finally the 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 viewers understand that it's it's been Mrs. Voorhees the whole time, right? right? She's the killer. And we've been guessing, and they've been giving us red herrings left and right. right. And we don't even we've never even seen this character. Yeah, you know. So so she pulls up. So that was that was sort of a uh, kind of a strange twist so needless to say alice just ends up chopping off mrs Voorhees' head well that's that's needless to say <laughs> let's, just get, let's just get to the point yeah uh and pretty much the last scene alice uh, wakes up the next morning in a kayak and she thinks everything is over when suddenly the scene we were talking about <laughs> there just a moment ago jason pops out of the water and drags alice into the lake 
Uh, Alice does survive, as in the last scene, she is safe with the police and doctors, and she starts explaining, there was a boy, there was a boy in the lake, and they were like, we didn't see a boy, and I think her final you know, words are like, well, he must still be there. That is the creepiest thing, that the last five minutes of that movie make it for me. It's that yep. scene where Jason pops out, he pulls her under, and then whenever she's with, uh, I guess, paramedics or whatever right. the next day, and they're like, well, what happened? And she says, the, the boy in the lake. Did you right. find him? And the guy just is like, Miss, we, we saw no boy. Right. Yeah. And then she just kind of looks all solemn and melancholy, and she said, then he must still be there. And then it just sort of sets it, it up. kind of right. sets yeah. it up, and I, I kind of got chills when I saw that part in the movie. And I mean, the movie's unfortunately very poorly acted. They no. are. Yeah, it's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're being too critical. I, I was just getting to ask you, so what did you think about the movie? So go ahead. I'll say out, out of all the ones I reviewed, this one's probably top three, and that's saying a lot. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> 10, 11, 12 of these movies. We're going to talk about most of them here tonight overall i like the aspect of the murder mystery it's a little bit different it keeps you guessing there's a scene where you like just see the killer's hand and they're wearing a ring and then somebody later in another scene will be wearing a ring and you're like aha i figured it out and then that person gets killed and then the next scene you see oh the killer's wearing like tight black pants and then you see someone in the next scene aha that person's wearing tight black pants and then they're knocked off. And, and then you just keep guessing and guessing till finally there's literally no one else to guess. And that's why I assume the writer had to say, well, let's just plop somebody in here. Bring someone else in totally, totally new. And, you know, that's the reason I think it's not like necessarily, uh, at least early on, it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a ripoff of Halloween is because, you know, again, in part one, there is no big, you know, man, child killer sure. who's masked and that that doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Uh, and in part one of Friday the 13th is more of a murder mystery. Uh, obviously, there there are some similarities there. Uh, it, those similarities become more obvious as the franchise sort of unfolds. But in part one, not necessarily I think maybe they just cashed in on, uh, hey, you know, Halloween was a horror movie and it was a slasher and, you know, it, it did very well. So let's let's also make a slasher movie. <laughs> One thing we didn't mention and we have to mention before we go on is the town crazy person. I think his name's Ralph. Is I think so. Yeah, I think something so. like that. He has some of the best lines. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, the you know, like the a few good men where you can't handle the truth. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I like when he says, It's got a death curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids are rolling in and they say, We're going to Camp Crystal Lake. We're gonna be counselors there. <laughs> he said, You're going to Camp Blood, ain't you? <laughs> He said that that's dead on. That's what it sounds like. It's pretty good. They're like, uh, yeah, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's called uh, you know Camp Crystal Lake. But sure, old man, that sounds good. And for a while, you think he might be the killer. Yeah, because he's definitely crazy. He's a crazy guy. And yeah. He shows up in a few. I think in one scene, he's like hiding in one of the rooms of the one of the cabins, and they just open the door. And there he's, he is. He's like, he, you're all going to die here. It's like, <laughs> but it won't be because of me. Because right. like in the next scene, he's like getting choked against a tree or something. It's awful. But Jason moves. Moving forward into the franchise, we hit part two, and this is where it really picks up steam. The second installment in the franchise was released in 1981 and was simply titled Friday the 13th Part Two. Nothing too creative. Simple enough. Just straightforward. That'll work. This was the first chapter of the series where Jason Voorhees appeared as the killer, and he appears wearing a burlap sack over his head with one eye hole cut out. (laughs) What do you make of that? I mean, the one eye hole thing. Yeah. 
I'm going to be honest, okay? I know the hockey mask. I mean, that is Jason, right? I mean, right. but but when I look at those two, the the uh, the burlap sack with the one hole for whatever reason, that actually scares me more. That looks more psychotic. It does than the hockey mask because the first thing I want to ask is how come it does not have two eye holes? <laughs> and that maybe the last thing going through my mind is he you know grabs me or whatever. But be. the burlap sack just I don't know. There's something about it that just sort of genuinely creeps me out. It's weird. And it's I don't weird, understand yeah. the one eye hole. I thought back to the first movie and thought, well, did he get his eye poked out or something? But he really doesn't have a big enough role for that to happen, right? No, not at all. Yeah, no. But he's walking around with his burlap burlap sack on and, and the one eye hole. He has no death perception, so it's, <laughs> you know, I guess that's a disadvantage there. He can't see things three-dimensionally or whatever. But two months after the events of the first movie, Alice Hardy, which is the final girl that you talked about in the last movie is still heavily traumatized by her encounter with Mrs. Voorhees and (laughs) she probably should be I guess so because she chopped her head off (laughs) (laughs) yeah she is living in an apartment alone and having nightmares about the event and in fact the whole first like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie is her just kind of laying on a bed having bad dreams and it flashing back to the ending sequence of the first movie right and this is only like an hour and a half movie they all are they're all just about an hour and a half long but they devote like 15 minutes to just reviewing the the story from the previous movie which is interesting alice gets a mysterious phone call where no one on the other end of the line will speak and this happened in the first halloween movie too yep if you remember there's michael myers um someone's making a phone call he comes up behind them and kind of chokes them out and then he picks up the phone and just kind of breathes into it just that's it and that's all you get so alice hears a noise outside the window and when she looks a cat jumps inside, just a false alarm. No big deal, just a cat. Not Jason Cat, not Cat <laughs> Voorhees. He's not wearing a hockey mask, just your plain old alley cat. She then hears a noise in her kitchen, and when she opens her refrigerator, guess what she finds inside? A head. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes, in, in true Friday the 13th fashion, there Pamela it is. Voorhees' head is in the refrigerator because what son wouldn't just watch his mother get decapitated, go and collect her head. <laughs> and then pack it around. <laughs> pack it around into the city somewhere because this girl is living in an apartment. <laughs> How does he get there? Okay, when we, when let's, we talk. Let's break that down right now. Yeah. Just go ahead right now. Yeah. Okay. To me, to me, that's the strangest part, maybe, of this entire franchise. Because you said part two was supposed to uh, have, have occurred. How far after part one? Like two months or something? Or two, two months after the events of the first movie. Two, okay. Yeah. So, so in two months, we have to kind of think about, okay, so at the end of part one, Jason is this, looks to be like maybe 12, 13-year-old boy, right? Sure. Two months later, he's a fully- He's a hulking brute of a man. He's a fully grown, incredible Hulk man who carries around the decapitated head of his mother <laughs> from out in the country into at least suburbia, yeah. right? And then walks up to, and somehow seeks her out, all right? I don't know how he found her, but somehow seeks her out and then places his mother's head in her refrigerator <laughs> and then wants her to see it yeah. before uh, he kills her, you know? Yep. So I have a lot of questions right there. Number one, how did he get to the city? Number two, why did he why did he take the head? And then how did he age like ten years in two months? Well, there's vitamins in the lake. There must be. <laughs> and also, he has a bus pass. Apparently, can you imagine just being the person sitting next to Jason on the bus? <laughs> it's just what. He just pulls out, the door's open, and yeah. he just walks off holding like a bowling ball. He's just sitting down. He's got the burlap sack going. <laughs> 
It's great. That's awesome. So when Alice sees the head in the refrigerator, she's horrified, but she doesn't notice that Jason, the adult son of Pamela Voorhees, as we mentioned, is behind her with an ice pick. Alice is killed, and we are off to the lake because we always got to find ourselves yeah. back to the lake. So he just gets back on the bus. <laughs> he catches the bus, <laughs> rides back down to the lake, pay, you know, pays his toll and, and all that sort of stuff and just kind of creeps back into the woods. <laughs> the remainder of the movie focuses on a group of teenage would-be counselors who are being trained near the scene of the original movie. <laughs> it's always like no matter what's going on, right? You know, I'm going to go into to New York or Manhattan or space, but at some point I'm going to get me some counselors <laughs> at this camp i can't figure out how much these counselors are being paid because it's not like, enough it can't be enough but but there's so many people wanting to do it it's like i can't imagine this is churning out enough money to say all right two months ago there was a vicious brutal murder here the killer uh you know was decapitated let's go ahead and set up shop let's get this thing rolling again it's been two months everybody over it good <laughs> let's get the go. campfire lit i want the s'mores going <laughs> You the go. bucket, mop this up, <laughs> and let's get going. We don't know where the head went, but you know that's old news anyway. In true horror camp fashion, the group sit around the campfire, and the head counselor relates the story of Jason Voorhees and his murder spree. No one takes the tale seriously until Jason begins to stalk the camp, eliminating the counselors one <laughs> by one. The main character of this story becomes Jenny, a young assistant head counselor. The story concludes when Jenny stumbles upon Jason's shack in the woods because apparently he's been living like a hermit man out in the woods all this time, you know, since he uh, emerged from the lake right. <laughs> two months ago, apparently. <laughs> and aged and, uh, and aged a decade and a couple months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the shack, Jenny finds a rustic shrine dedicated to Jason's dead mother, which consists of his mother's decapitated head, <laughs> her sweater, her pants, a machete, candles, and several corpses piled up around it. Mm. Just just pretty typical murder, of, psychotic kind, kind of, of a stuff. Uh, horrific sight there. Yeah. So all through the movie, they've been setting up that Jenny is a psychology major. Yeah. You hear this at the beginning. Yeah. You hear it in the middle sometime because, you know, that's typical screenwriting fashion. All right. At the beginning, we establish the character in the middle. We just say it again to remind everybody, yep, she's a psychology major. Right. It's going to come into play. It's going to come into play. So whenever Jason is beating down the door, trying to, you know, get into the room so that he can take her out. She sees the sweater laying there. She puts on the sweater, which remember belongs to Jason's mother. It's disgusting because a head was just decapitated <laughs> with, uh, you know, from the mother who was wearing that sweater. And when Jason gets into the room, she starts calling Jason's name and just saying, Jason, Jason, sit down, kneel, <laughs> kneel, you know. And Jason just kind of looks at her like, you know, he's this lost boy. Right. all over again the boy who drowned in the lake and he does exactly as mama says and i think the actress who was pamela Voorhees in the first one reprises her role for the trancey kind of yeah. sequence yeah. and and jason looks up and you know in, in one part he sees jenny the girl and then he gets ready to to get her and then she's like no jason sit and, and it's and all of a sudden it's like his mother she says mother is talking to you jason <laughs> it gets pretty intense there for a minute the trick works for a moment but jason sees pamela's head still in the shrine behind Jenny and he immediately snaps out of it. He cuts Jenny's leg, but then her friend Paul emerges and sort of gets into a tussle with Jason, <laughs> just attacks him. Jenny grabs Jason's dropped machete and buries it deep into Jason's shoulder, apparently killing him, uh, killing him because this is a man who can die from, you know, just a, a shoulder wound. Right, <laughs> right yeah. 
Back outside, the two stumble inside a cabin, but Jason bursts through the window, you know, because he's not dead, and drags Jenny outside. The scene cuts to the next morning where Jenny is being loaded onto a stretcher and asking about Paul, who is nowhere to be found. The final scene fades to black while showing the decapitated head of Pamela Voorhees. So right off the bat, I've got to comment and say, this is the most confusing ending, I think, in the whole series. Because number one, the the character Paul, we never find out what happens to him. He just vanishes. Kind he of, just sort completely of. vanishes. They think they've killed Jason. They go into a cab and Jason jumps through the window in slow motion. Right, and they shoot it from like a couple different angles. Whenever I was watching this, I got the impression that there were like two Jasons. I know that sounds weird, but the the way they shot that scene, it was like they shot it from the left, and you see the left side of his face while he's bursting through the window, and then they do this weird cut where it's like showing the right side of his face, and he's still jumping through the window. Right, and both me and my wife at the end of it said, "Were there two Jasons in that scene?" I said, "No, I think that was just right. the the weird filmmaking decision they made." But they don't show what actually happens. He just jumps on top of her it fades to black and then she's on a stretcher and jason's not there anymore and neither is paul yeah there there's a lot of scenes in in these friday the 13th movies where there's like a uh, a final jump scare at the end someone's dragged into a lake someone is like dragged at a window but then we find out seconds later that somehow they survived they don't remember how they survived right and sometimes jason's there sometimes he's not or whatever but it's like this you know i, I have spent my you know this this entire movie trying to kill you and i finally <laughs> have you in my hands yep. and then it's just like well the hour and a half's up folks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd see the director wrap it up we don't have yeah. any more film and it's always someone in a stretcher like you know wh- wh- where where did the killer go and they're like who's the killer and it's just <laughs> so strange out there. yeah it's it's weird <laughs> it is so jason where do we go from here how does part three pick up first of all is there a part three? Oh, there is a part three <laughs> yeah yeah there there are many parts uh, to this friday the 13th part three debuted in 1982 and was directed by steve minor while part two was successful it was not as popular as part one had been so the franchise thought they might need a little extra you know something uh, a gimmick so the decision was made that the movie would be in 3d and the gimmick worked, at least in the theaters. Uh, it, it does not work at home. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Uh, the production cost of the movie was uh, just a little bit over $2 million, but it did make almost $9.5 million in the opening weekend. In part three, a new group of youngsters arrive at a farmhouse near Camp Crystal Lake. And according to the movie timeline, part three occurs the following day. In this, <laughs> are, are, and they, are they aware that all this has happened? I, I can't recall. I, again, I, I I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it comes on the. There's a scene in the opening part of this movie where it, there's like a uh, a TV broadcast or like a news report, and they're saying you know dozens of bodies found or whatever last oh, night. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, in in this movie, a young girl named Chris, along with her friends, travel to her family's farmhouse, and uh, newsflash: there is a killer on the loose. Jason slaughters all her friends, including Shelly, one of the more lovable characters in the entire franchise, which uh, if, if you've seen this movie, you know Shelly's sort of just, he's just lovable, right? He's yeah. just kind of a down-on-his-luck type of dude. And what was interesting about this is that he was not an actor at all, had zero acting experience at all. The directors found him handing out flyers uh, in town when they were actually creating this movie. Really? Yeah, they just found, and they just, they 
they just immediately knew when they saw him. That's the guy. That is the exact, and they heard his voice. This is exactly who we want. Wow. So he didn't even uh, audition for the movie. They actually sort of just found him on a street corner. And yet his acting skill blends in seamlessly with everyone else on set. <laughs> Professional actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, that's that's true. It does. Uh, so so for some reason, there there is also a, a three-member biker gang <laughs> that is also wiped out that we will talk more about just in a minute. The plot unfolds until we get down to the traditional movie trope of the final girl. In this case, uh, Chris. Chris places an axe right into Jason's head and drops him right on the barn floor. Mm. Chris wakes up the following morning in a kayak (laughs) and and is awakened by a nightmare of an unmasked Jason staring at her out of the house window. She realizes it's a dream only to be grabbed by a rotting Mrs. Voorhees, the corpse of Mrs. Voorhees, with head attached, Mm -hmm. which also turned out to be... A dream. Another dream. Another dream. Yeah. The last scene we see, Jason is on the floor of the barn, presumably dead. So let's talk about this movie. So okay. there, there's a lot to unpack here. Okay, number one, this one's in 3D. <laughs> yeah, and if you, didn't, if you didn't watch it in 3D, if you watched it at home like I did, you can definitely tell there's something weird about this movie. Because yep. if you didn't know it was in the 3D, you're like, what are they doing? <laughs> Because this, I mean, you know, there, there's a uh, there's a uh, a yo-yo scene where this guy just keeps throwing this. I mean, but it goes on for like a minute. Yeah, and and sixty seconds is a long time on screen for a yo-yo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, it's a scene of a girl just sort of laying down, and then over top of her is this guy with the yo-yo, and you just see the yo-yo coming at the camera, coming at the camera <laughs> over and over, over and over. And she's like, I don't, I don't remember yep, his yep, name, but yep. she, stop it, Chris or, she, or Bob or whatever. She's like, Bob, no. And he's just like, (laughs) and you can tell there's something up, right? Because I mean, there's no way you should fixate on that yo-yo for that long. (laughs) There's also a scene where there, and you actually pointed this out to me. This is early on, I think, in the movie where there's a, there's some uh, kids out in the street sort of playing stickball kind of like, you know, type of thing, but it's baseball. And the way the kid has the bat angled, uh, there is zero chance he's going to be able to hit this baseball, (laughs) right? Because it's, I mean, it's like, it's clearly pointed directly at the camera, right? right? Yeah. And it's so bizarre how, how the kids handling it so that was another scene there's also a scene i think where there's a uh, a pitchfork hanging out of this woman and and when you're watching it on on uh like i guess in a 2d at home it's almost looks like there's something wrong with your tv because it's like there's something kind of it's too close to the frame like everything is obviously trying to get that 3d pop out effect so they're shooting it super close to the camera yeah and it it sort of interferes like with the uh, i guess the overall appearance or the uh, effectiveness of the scene but i guess in 3d it would look way different you know so there's just some scenes if if you're watching this at home if you're watching friday the 13th part three at home uh, it would probably do you good to remember this was actually you know created for a you know for a a 3d experience i guess there's one scene where a guy's eyeball pops out and it, and it pops out at the screen, but you can see the wire where it's all, you know, like a part of a prosthetic head sort of thing. So it looks super terrible. But the thing that got me about the 3D is they didn't use it in what could have been probably a more effective way, which is kind of like the eyeball scene, you know, as right. part of enhancing what Jason is doing. They they instead choose to focus on like the most benign things. It's like, yep. oh no, here, here comes the pencil. <laughs> you better catch it. They're just waving it at the camera. Here comes a yo yo. I'm going to get it. Yeah. You know, I, I actually thought of the of the first three movies. I actually thought the acting was the worst in this movie. It's pretty bad. I really did. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I really did. Which was kind of shocking because it's part three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a lot of momentum. It had four times the budget than the original one did. Yeah. 
they had a lot of things going for it. You know, they, they didn't spend that on the actors. But they, I can tell you that. <laughs> but no, no, they they sure did not. Uh, and then as far as uh, any specific you know, actors, actors, of course, Kevin Bacon was in part one. That's right. Before he was Kevin Bacon, really, right? Yeah. Uh, and then whatever the whoever the actress was that played the girl in part two, what was her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was her name? The 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 the, the uh, psychologist. Yeah, the, I, don't, I don't know. Her I real forgot name, her name, but yeah. whatever. She, she was Jenny in the Jenny. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually thought that that was probably the best actress in the first three movies. She did a good job. Uh, yeah, I, I think they actually wanted Alice to come back from part one. Mm-hmm. Of course, she did in part two just briefly right. before she got killed in the apartment. And then they also wanted, I think, Jenny to come back for mm-hmm. part three, and she decided to, uh, to to not do that. So yeah. Uh, that's but, one of the ongoing problems with this with this franchise is that they never really settle on a hero or a heroine. Right. You know, it's always just Jason versus the brand new group of counselors right. who decided yeah. that day to go and count. And I, I think they were sort of looking for their Jamie Lee Curtis. They were, right? yeah. but they just never really could find her. I, I guess they actually offered two girls here, the one from from part one and from part two, and both of them turned her turned them down to kind of you know continue on with it. Sure, yeah. But uh, but uh, but Shane, I guess this would probably be a good time to uh, take a break. And let's uh, listen about all those good Slapdash products we have at the uh, Slapdash store. And then when we come back, we will go into part four. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. (laughs) We also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. We are back and we are discussing the history of Jason Voorhees and talking our way through all of the uh, complete franchise of Friday the 13th. Jason, we've made it up to part four, which is called The Final Chapter. That's a lie. <laughs> you, you don't trust them? We're not We're not even halfway finished. That is correct. So number four, called The Final Chapter. It's uh, the fourth installment in the franchise. It was released in 1984, and it was really supposed to be the final movie in the, in the whole franchise. They were going to end it up, and part of that was because the directors and the crew who had stuck with it throughout all this time thought, we're kind of at the end. We, we don't have any original story to tell, which I would argue probably after part two, they... They really didn't have much original story <laughs> to tell. Uh, but although the movie was intended to be the final chapter, it grossed almost $33 million against a $2.8 million budget, which somehow convinced the studio to release more movies. <laughs> so it wasn't the final chapter. No, far from it. The film opens with police and paramedics cleaning up the scene from the previous movie. If you remember, Jason had fallen out of the barn, right? And he got right. his yep. head chopped, uh, sort of in the... Sort of on the side, on kinda, the side, yeah. kind of in the forehead. The thing that I, that I find interesting about this is they, for for all the weird inconsistencies of the movie, there there's one thing they keep consistent, and that is the damage of the mask. I know yeah. that sounds like a weird thing, but that um, where Jason gets chopped in the forehead, right. that remains with him throughout several yeah. of the sequels. But this film picks up right where the uh, last one left off. Literally the very next day, Jason is still dead from being hit in the head with an axe from the previous <laughs> As movie. As most people would. 
Yeah, most people would be. The entire remainder of the movie takes place only a few days after the events of Part 3. Jason is transported to the morgue, but he later wakes up. It doesn't really explain why or how. He just kind of wakes up. There, There is this cool scene where the mortician is putting him into the freezer, you know, like, yeah, I don't know the proper name, right. but the, the body locker that people <clears throat> yeah, go into gotcha, in the morgue. Yeah. Uh, and, and whenever he gets ready to close the door, just for a brief second, and you have to kind of look close to catch this, I'm assuming it's intentional. I'm going to give the filmmakers right. credit that they meant to do this, but you see just a little puff of air come out right. of Jason's uh, uh, mouth whenever he gets pushed into the freezer. And you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know this movie is about to go down. So Jason wakes up. He kills the coroner as well as the night nurse. And the thing that gets me about this is, obviously, if the chop to the head didn't kill him, I was telling my wife this when we watched <laughs> it, man, wouldn't that be just such a nasty infection, though? I mean, <laughs> did, did, they didn't treat that because they thought he was dead. This guy's been laid out all night with a machete wound to the face and... And he yeah. is just perfectly fine. Just slap yeah. a Band-Aid on it. Let's get to Crystal Lake. I, I get a little worried personally when I can't find the neosporin after a paper cut. <laughs> yeah. So I can't imagine a... Uh, he's got part of his skull hanging out. His, you know, like like a third of his brain's hanging out. And he's like, ah, be okay. <laughs> Where's the teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> he makes his way back to Camp Crystal Lake, I assume on the bus. And the fourth movie is off to the races. The remainder of the film follows a group of teenagers who are camping near Crystal Lake, as well as a family living next door. The family is made up of a young boy named Tommy, who is going to become sort of a protagonist in the film, his older sister and their mother. There uh, also happens to be a secret-keeping hiker in the woods named Rob. (laughs) Keep that in mind. Just some random dude out in the woods, uh, and I think he shows up at one point. He's introduced because the daughter breaks down, and he mysteriously shows up with this big hiking backpack. He's the cool guy. He's like, let me get that for you, little lady. (laughs) He's like fixing her car or whatever. And you're like, what's going on with this guy? Why is he just camping out in the woods somewhere? What's he up to? It's later revealed that Rob is the brother of a girl that was killed in part two, which occurred just a few days earlier. He is on a mission in the woods to hunt and kill Jason himself, which sounds okay, but doesn't make any sense at all. His sister was killed just a couple days ago. I mean, literally the funerals probably happened in that day. Right. He's already in the woods wielding the machete, and he's just become Indiana Jones out there. He already has the bug spray. <laughs> he has his own machete. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, when he should be mourning the death of his sister. And I'm sure, you know, all this stuff is still very fresh. You know, his mom's probably like, where's Robbie at? <laughs> you know, he's, he's out here at Crystal Lake just traipsing through the woods. And, as far as he knows, this guy's dead, right? Right, I mean, yeah. He, Supposed he, to be. He should be. But the little boy, Tommy, who's later going to become sort of a pro- protagonist, and, and maybe even they, they envisioned him to be an antagonist, and we'll talk about that, but he's just a little boy in this particular film. He's also a mask maker, which is kind of a weird detail, but yeah. he, he, he makes these grotesque creature-type masks. He's, he's sort of into that kind of thing. He, yeah. He's into that. He's made a few of these. And the film seems to be setting up Tommy to be similar to Jason in some right. ways. He's just a young kid. He likes to make masks. And um, at the end of the movie, Rob, the you know the guy, <laughs> the, 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 the brother who's out in the woods, uh, is killed by Jason in such a horrific manner, but also... A comical manner, unintentionally, because the acting is no better in part four. So as Rob is getting stabbed by Jason, he is screaming, he's killing me. He's killing me. Just so it's very clear 
to the audience <laughs> what's going on, just in case yeah. you couldn't figure it out. While Jason is chasing Tommy's sister, Tommy finds some newspaper clippings that Rob was carrying. Apparently, the newspaper acts very quickly in this town. <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> because the newspaper's filled with everything that's happened up to this point in the story, and it's only been that a happened few days. Like, that happened like maybe 15 hours ago. <laughs> Not even that <laughs> Some point. of it, yeah. That's right. So he's going through these clippings. He's quickly reading about Jason, his background, who he is, what motivates him. And he sees that Jason, as a kid, sort of was deformed and it never really clearly explains why this was. Like, did he become deformed as a result of drowning in the lake? Right. Uh, you know, it's, as a prequel to the first movie, is that what made him deformed? Was he always just sort of like that? But Tommy goes upstairs, and to imitate Jason, he shaves his head bald. Yep. Okay, so he he's completely bald. Tommy comes downstairs and finds Jason getting ready to kill his sister. But Tommy kills Jason instead by slashing him with a machete while shouting, die. Yeah, it's, it's several, pretty creepy. Several times. Over and over. Yeah, d- yeah, that's that's pretty intense. He's just hacking at him. The movie ends with the sister recovering in a hospital bed. That's how it always ends, right? What happened? What's going on? And the doctor is reassuring her that Tommy's behavior was perfectly normal. That's what <laughs> any kid would have done. He would have rushed upstairs, shaved his head off. It's in the textbook, chapter <laughs> one. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's trauma 101. Tommy enters the room and gives his sister a hug, and the camera focuses on Tommy's face over the sister's shoulder and he has this dead cold stare right. on his face and just credits right so let's let's unpack this one a little bit so this movie very clearly was setting up possibly a successor to jason even though it was called the final chapter in a way it was for jason right or at least it was supposed to be sure and they were setting up tommy this little boy to go through this very traumatic event he sees all these teenagers hacked up his uh, sister is almost killed and he saves her in this heroic act but in doing so maybe that twisted him a little bit yeah, he, he may got a little uh bloodlust for himself right right I mean, he started like killing and all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh or you know yeah yeah so you can kind of see where they're where they're going with that you can and the fact that he makes his own masks i mean that could have been a big plot element going forward you yeah. know if you wanted to use that but Jason, they didn't latch on to that. They instead decided to go in a completely different direction. I think the first four movies in the franchise are widely acknowledged, although they're not critically critical successes, they're, they're acknowledged to sort of be the best cult classics of the franchise. Absolutely. You yeah. know, th- those four kind of form yeah. the basis of what we know about Jason. So we're going to go through the next few films uh, a little bit more briefly because right. they do start to blur together a little bit, but we do want to touch on them and just kind of give you an idea. We'll, we'll hit the highlights. How's sure. that sound? Sounds great. So part five of Friday the 13th is called A New Beginning because they had to make one. Because the last one was the final chapter, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so this is The New Beginning. Years after Tommy murdered Jason, he resides in a mental hospital and struggles with the trauma of the experience. When Tommy moves to an isolated halfway house, he has nightmares about Jason's return and soon, one of the patients is killed. And this doesn't have anything to do with Jason, doesn't have anything to do with Tommy. Whenever you watch the movie, you'll find that just one of the patients kills another one because they just let them run around. Yeah, yeah. There's no, very little supervision. No supervision. One of them has anger issues, and he's outside with an axe chopping wood. And that's his job. That's what they let him do. <laughs> not very well thought out. Not at all. One of the other kids comes up to him, and he's kind of like, hey, you want some chocolate? Or I mean, they're, they're trying to make it like these kids are emotionally disturbed, but they never really t- say why. 
Right. So the kid who comes up to the axe swinging kid, who knows why he's there? He likes chocolate too much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, hey, you want some chocolate? And the, the guy's like, no, get away from me. You know, and he's just chopping at that wood. And uh, he just keeps pushing into him. And finally, he just kind of like, well, forget you, man. I'll just go over this way. And then axe wielding kid turns around. He's like, how dare you? And he just... <laughs> lays him out right there he just goes off and then that's how the movie kind of gets its start so from there we find that the uh, obviously again the killer is not jason in this movie this is kind of a reboot of that original premise we talked about the whole uh mystery of who the who is the killer right we're trying to figure it out and they do actually show the killer very early on and it's it's very easy to figure out but it's also very boring Right. It's not yeah. Tommy. You know, we, we've set that hole up. We spent a whole movie setting up that it could be Tommy. Tommy's back in this one. It's not Tommy. Do you know who it is? It's the ambulance driver, right? Is, <laughs> is it Roy? It's Roy the Roy. ambulance driver. Roy the ambulance driver. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, apparently, the kid who was killed at the beginning, the chocolate-wielding kid who wouldn't give up on you know getting his right. axe-wielding friend to eat the chocolate, ends up being the, the son, the secret son of this ambulance driver, and he is enraged that his son is killed at this halfway house, even though he himself as a father has had no impact on his life, has done right. nothing for him. Uh, and and that's, that's the story we're left with. I mean, it's kind of a mess. At yeah. the end, Roy gets killed. It's just sloppy. That's just sloppy writing. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and and we all of a sudden have this revelation that, oh, that was his son that was killed in the first movie. And there, I, I want to say there there's something better than that, but that's it, Jason. That, it has that's no, the nothing, new beginning. Nothing to do with Jason Voorhees. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, and Roy's killed. I mean, there's there's they didn't set up like Roy would go on to be right. the next killer or anything like that. It's just that's how it ends. And that leads us to part six, which is called Jason lives because they realize we're not going to be able to survive without jason roy is not jason right (laughs) not at all yeah this movie picks up with tommy again who is once again in a mental institution he is still trying to find closure after dealing with jason in the previous movies tommy escapes the mental institution and heads to the graveyard where jason is buried big no-no his intention is to dig up the body and cremate it because he thinks if he can get rid of like every speck of jason physically that jason will finally go away and then that won't be a problem for him anymore but (laughs) this is kind of funny before this total annihilation can occur lightning strikes jason and resurrects him from the dead How convenient. It just so happened it's a dark and stormy can't, night. Can't you just think about the uh, the riders there? It's like, okay, here's what we got. <laughs> we have just a small window of opportunity to somehow That's right. bring this corpse back to life. Sure. I, I, I read a book a long time ago. It's called <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> We're going to go with that. We're going to have you know uh, lightning strike him, and then here we go again. So, yeah. People like that book, Frankenstein, right? <laughs> they, they got behind that. So, at this point, we've got Jason who has had an axe in the forehead. We've got him. He's been chopped in the back by Tommy multiple times while being yelled, you know, screaming, die, die, die. <laughs> he has this, what I can only imagine, just a staph infection unknown to man. <laughs> <laughs> He's in need of some antibiotics. <laughs> He's in trouble. So, too, not to mention that he's been suffocating beneath the ground if he was still alive in any shape or form in a, an actual gravesite. No. So, and all that was almost as worse as when he drowned. <laughs> just about. Just about. Are you sensing that there's not much story left to tell right, here? Yeah. But, but let's do it anyway. So, Jason gets hit by lightning. He comes back to life and he goes on another killing spree. <laughs> But uh, one common theme throughout this movie is um, they, they give up the whole idea of cremating him. And I don't know why. That sounds perfect. Yeah, right. cremate him. That, 
Yeah, get yeah. rid of all. You know, spread some over here in, in uh, you know the Atlantic. Spread some in the Pacific. <laughs> put some in uh, Camp Crystal Lake. Who cares? You know, get rid of this guy. So they give up on that, and they decide the way to kill Jason forever is to just put him back in the lake. That's what they decide is going to do. It so it becomes how can we return Jason to the lake? Well, they eventually somehow lure him back over to the lake. They put him in the lake. They chain him to the bottom. He's still alive. He's thrashing around, but he he doesn't escape. He just kind of relents and just kind of goes limp. Sort of floats there. He kind of floats there. And that sounds like a terrible plan to me. Like, where did they not assume anyone would ever use this lake again? Like, the lake's not even that deep. Right. I mean, eventually, like, you know, you're going to be swimming or fishing and be like, hey, what's this? <laughs> This is the first film that received positive reviews since the first movie. Everything else that you know that came before hmm. it was was kind of mixed, but this one actually got some some positive reviews, um, and that leads us to part seven, the new blood. Oh, <laughs> years after the strange drowning death of her father. Now this is going in a completely different direction. We have to add to the mythos at this point because there's nothing new to say about Jason. He's chained at the bottom of a lake. Right, we, still there. We, we know everything there is to know about him. So Tina Shepard is the new main character, and years after the drowning death of her father, of which she actually caused, because she happens to be, can you guess it? Telekinetic. She's telekinetic. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker! I've, I've I've seen that one. This is the one I thought. Okay, man, just give me a break. I mean, I mean, it's basically mutants, yeah. right? I mean, that's what that's what we got here. That's basically what's going on here. So it's like X Men meets Jason. <laughs> And uh, no, she she kills her father, and that awakens her telekinetic abilities. Apparently, she was very abusive, um, or, or sorry, he was very abusive to the mother, and uh, he's like yelling for the daughter. She's outside next to Camp Crystal Lake for whatever reason, <laughs> because people are just drawn to that place like crazy. But uh, he gets on the dock, and she says something like, man, I, I wish you were just dead. And then the dock collapses and her dad falls into Camp Crystal Lake. He dies. Her psychic senses are awakened. So for some inexplicable reason, she decides years later to go back to that lake where her father drowned. And when she's thinking about her father, all of a sudden she sends out what is, could only be described as like a psychic tremor right, right. into the lake. Just the psychic explosion from her mind, which breaks Jason's shackles because he's just down there, you know, wondering when when will my ship come? When will I, you know, get free? What's going to happen? And the shackles around him break. He is freed from the lake again. And he goes on yet another killing spree. <laughs> this guy, man, it's just crazy. At the end of the movie, Tina uses her telekinetic power to summon the spirit of her father from the lake who rises from the lake and drags Jason under. And, and supposedly he's he's down for the count he's, again. He's down again, right? Yeah, some things happen in between that, but it's terribly acted, and it's <laughs> it's just basically what you you would expect. Some teenagers go traipsing through the woods. Jason goes on a killing spree, and at the end, he is dead again. For real this time. Okay. Except he's not. All right. <laughs> because, That's what I thought. Because there's part eight. And All right. part eight is called Jason Takes Manhattan. Because it has to be. We've, we've done all the work we can in those woods, man. Yeah. I mean, we are fresh out of counselors. <laughs> That's all, <laughs> all right. Have. I have no choice but to take this show on the road. <laughs> the chapter begins when two teenagers are sailing a boat over Camp Crystal Lake, which... Man, that's a bad idea. 
Come on. Can we just stop for a moment and just appreciate how dumb these kids are? Just just news like, just stay away from that lake. It's and, just a lake. And all of the land around it. I mean, it seems like if everybody would just do that, things would be so much better, but we just can't stay away from that lake. Everybody's just going through the lake like it's a major transportation artery of the <laughs> oh, United no. States, man. It's crazy. The boy who's on the lake with the girl tells his girlfriend about the legend of Jason Voorhees. So they're <laughs> on the lake talking about Jason at the beginning of the movie. Uh, you, you know where this is going. Oh, yeah. As he's telling the story, this is great. They, they're just they're just tired of trying to figure out how Jason comes back at this point. <laughs> the anchor of the boat catches a power cable, which is dragged across the body of the comatose Jason Voorhees, who is at this point in the lake. <laughs> Jason is shocked back to life again <laughs> a second time. He kills the teenagers and stows away on a cruise ship that takes him to Manhattan. <laughs> it's almost like this one was just one big joke. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like they thought, okay, this one really is the last one and let's just do it upright. That's like, right. You know, let's, you know, I mean, everything we've always heard, he's in the woods. Let's take him out of the woods. Right. All right. I mean, just the whole thing's a joke. We've done the whole Jason's in the country thing. What's Jason look like in the big city? You know, <laughs> let's let, do it. Let's see what that hap- what happens there. At the end of the movie, the final teens are chased into a sewer by Jason, and a sanitation worker tells them that at midnight every night the sewer floods with toxic waste. If that's really happening in my city. I'm not living in that city. <laughs> I don't think so. That's a bad idea. I have no idea. That that was a major plot point for me that I couldn't understand. Why underneath this major city, every night at midnight, they flood the sewers with toxic <laughs> waste. They can't be good. That's not good. The sanitation worker is killed. The chase continues between the, the final teens and Jason. And eventually, Jason is washed away by the flood of toxic waste. Aww. Yeah, And that's it for him. He's gone forever, except he's not. <laughs> What now? (laughs) Part nine. Is he like in Omaha? (laughs) Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready for this? Let's 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 hear this one. At the beginning of the movie, Jason is alive again, but it's never explained how this happened. <laughs> Why would it? He's just like <laughs> they gave up. They said, "All right, we got away with shocking him to life twice." These people who come to see this movie could care less how or why this guy is still alive. That infection at this point. <laughs> it's over. He's been in the sewer just kind of splashing around in toxic waste with open wounds. <laughs> Give that man a knife and get out of his way. At this point, viewers have just given up that Jason's staying dead. But at the beginning, he is lured into an ambush by the FBI because apparently after several violent, brutal killings of teenagers in the woods at the same place, the FBI finally decides, maybe we should check this out. (laughs) (laughs) Ten years later, it's like, man, there's a lot of people has been missing there. Somebody puts in a phone call and they're like, let's see if we can find this guy and just, just kind of check into him. I kind of like to imagine the, the FBI picking up the phone and then, you know, they, they listen very carefully and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's got a death curse. <laughs> That's probably the call they took. That's probably what happened. Yeah, I can imagine that. So Jay, Jason is lured into this FBI ambush and he is shot full of holes. You have to remember, this is the opening sequence. They just right. gun him down and then he's blown apart by an airstrike team. <laughs> okay. Getting serious. So we're not in the woods anymore. And this happens at the beginning of the movie. This is how it starts. It's like, this is setting you up for how much damage this guy can take and be okay. Right. Keeping in mind, he's just came out of a sewer. You know, he took a sewer bath in toxic waste. <laughs> 
And then he he wanders back into the woods. He gets after this girl who happens to be an FBI agent. She lures him into this ambush. They shoot him full of holes. They airstrike him. This man should be dead. And if he's not, or even if there's any part of his body that remains, they should not entrust him to be transported to the morgue, which is what happens in the next scene. (laughs) How many times have we seen this? I can just see them patting each other on the back like, good job, guys. We finally got the man. This is the, what, the ninth time now. But, yeah, he's he's probably dead. I mean, yeah, he's laying over there. He's fully intact. You know, we just shot him full of missiles. But uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and bring in the one guy to load him up into the back of this uh, morgue truck and uh, take him over to the morgue. I'm sure it'll be fine. Have a good weekend. See you Monday. <laughs> See you on Monday. Now, this is if that wasn't weird enough, here's where the series takes its its final turn. You know, if you were wondering if there was anything left in the beating heart of this series, the answer is no. <laughs> because here's what happened. When Jason's body is transported to the morgue, his evil heart hypnotizes the coroner (laughs) all right let's let's just pause and appreciate that for a moment jason's laying on the table the the coroner has opened him up he sees jason's heart which is still beating right ever so faintly and then it starts to hypnotize him all right he just starts to kind of kind of sway and you know what he does he eats the heart and becomes jason (laughs) I, i really have no words at this point i mean honestly i don't so, guess what he does? Well, Jason heads back to Camp Crystal Lake <laughs> and begins yet another teen killing massacre. <laughs> Got any more of those counselors? <laughs> well, Jason, there just happens to be a group of teenagers <laughs> camping near the lake in celebration of Jason's demise. They said, Jason is freshly slaughtered. Let's head over. Let's let, come on, guys. I know some of you've been holding out. You know we've been trying to we've been trying to get this uh, celebration off the ground for years now, and you keep saying, "Well, Jason's out there. He's going to get us." Well, not this time. He's dead for sure. Uh, we saw him. You know they rolled him out to the morgue. Let's all get around the campfire. Let's have a big party. And guess who shows up to the to the Jason's dead party? <laughs> That's correct, Jason. At the end of the movie, Jason is stabbed by a mystical dagger. That causes a pair of demonic hands to erupt from the ground and drag him to hell. Okay. <laughs> so we've come a long way from Pamela Voorhees. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've been going now for about 53 minutes. So in about 52, 53 minutes, we went from, you know, he was my boy. He was drowned. And there's a lot of stuff that's happened to Mr. Voorhees here. That's right. <laughs> over yeah. a span of a few movies. And now the mystical dagger has killed him. His mask, however, is left behind. The main characters walk off into the sunset. You know, we finally did it. We showed him. You know, this is the ninth time. But out of nowhere, Freddy Krueger's gloved hand, yes, I said Freddy Krueger, bursts out of the dirt and pulls Jason's mask down while laughing evilly. And that's how that movie ends. Now, we will go ahead and and make a comment here that there is a movie after this one chronologically called Jason X, right? Jason 10. That movie, as you can imagine, is one of the most terrible 
movies in cinematic history and especially in this franchise so terrible in fact that we are going to pay it special homage in a future episode called top 10 worst horror movie sequels ever (laughs) that's going to come out later this month so we're going to skip over jason x for now and jason let's hop over into seeing what's going on with this final scene here so freddy krueger dragged jason's mask down so what's going on so you know in in that particular scene i'm sure the audience was like oh like that was the biggest shocker, right? It's like, oh my gosh, they like Freddy lives in this universe. They just brought Freddy into this. What's going so, on? Yeah, so so obviously people start talking. So so Freddy versus Jason, it just had to happen. So let's just get that out of the way real quick. Uh, the movie debuted in 2003 and grossed over 116 million dollars worldwide, making it the highest grossing film of both the Friday the 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Street franchises. Wow. That's pretty incredible. That is, yeah. Uh, The plot is amusing, to say the least. Uh, Freddy is upset because kids have forgotten him. There is no fear, so he does not have very much power. He's kind of like Santa Claus in uh, the Polar Express. You have to believe, right? You have to believe in Freddy. (laughs) You you have to believe in Freddy. (laughs) We need t-shirts that say that. (laughs) Believe in Freddy. (laughs) With what little power he has, he decides to bring Jason Voorhees back to life Mm -hmm. so that he can begin killing people in the room world which will cause fear and somehow <laughs> make freddie more powerful <laughs> all right yeah, so i have sense. i have the power to to bring uh, jason back and then i'm going to let him go kill people and then they will uh, become scared and then somehow their fear will somehow feed me right it'll, it'll make yeah. me stronger sure so eventually freddie is revived and you've got a situation where freddie is killing people in their dreams while jason is running around killing people in the real world <laughs> man like tag team champions that's right so soon the kids uh, realize that unless they pit Freddy against Jason, that they will all die. That the only way that they can basically they have to kill each other, right? Because right. yeah. none of them can kill either one of the, the, the two bad guys. So the teenagers find a way to bring Freddy to the real world. And finally, we had this you know, epic battle at the end. Freddy and Jason, they just go 12 rounds, right? It's like the thrill in Manila. It's like the Red Sox, Yankees, Celtics, Lakers. Everyone's been waiting for this big fight. Yep. And here we go. So uh, ultimately, they battle for several minutes on screen. Jason appears to win. And, and as he emerges from the lake holding Freddy's severed head because we all know jason likes to hold severed heads <laughs> he loves it <laughs> so he, as, he builds shrines to him. that's right so as as he's sort of walking uh you know out of the water holding freddie's head but in the final second we see freddie wink into the camera mm. and and kind of grin and sort of his laughter you know coming o- over the screen as the credits roll so that's that's the Freddy versus Jason. And then, of course, there was the 2009 uh, Friday the 13th reboot, right? Yeah. Uh, so now, have you seen that one? I've not seen the reboot, actually. Yeah. You're not really missing a lot, okay? Uh, to, to be honest. Uh, really the same plot. Youngsters come to a lake house to spend the weekend, but the lake house is at Crystal Lake, and that means that Jason's there. Mm. The, rebo- the reboot earned uh, almost $93 million at the box office and was the second highest-grossing film of the franchise. Really nothing special about this one. Uh, there were elements of, like, part one through four, 
in in this one. Like the, there, there's a character who comes there looking for his sister mm-hmm. that goes missing. There are also some scenes, uh, basically, you know, sort of explaining his origin story. There's some scenes about where you know how, how did he get the mask. So it's almost like one through four is sort of sandwiched together in kind of this super mm-hmm. new Friday the Thirteenth uh, movie. Yo- any yo-yos though? Uh, there are no yo-yos. Oh, no, that's uh, the best part of three though. <laughs> yeah, that's all you could do. You could leave three out if it wasn't for the yo-yo. <laughs> you know that that would have been so funny if they was just. Somehow, just, just in included it, yeah, for no reason whatsoever. The uh, the reboot, I think, was produced by Michael Bay, I believe. Okay, uh, just yeah. had, had a lot to be desired. I mean, it was just sort of a, a normal Friday the Thirteenth, but there was really nothing special about it. Again, just kids show up at a lake. Uh, really, just nothing special. The graphics a little better, mm. you know, because it was two thousand nine and right. not nineteen eighty <laughs> or nineteen eighty two or three or four or whatever. Sure, uh, but not not really uh, a good movie. Uh, now, going back to uh, Freddy versus Jason, that was at least entertaining because that idea was so novel. Yeah, it right. Was. I mean, the, the whole movie it was at least fun because you knew eventually they were just going to have a battle royale kind of like the reason that people went to watch uh, Superman versus Batman. Right. Or it was the same reason, right? You I mean, they were going to have an all-out drag right. out fight. So, Freddy versus Jason, worth the time to watch. The the Friday the 13th reboot, uh, not not so much. Yeah. So, Jason, at this point, we've kind of been through the entire franchise, man, minus uh, Jason X, which we'll get to later. All except uh, except a, uh, a trip to space. That's and, right. And we'll talk about that. We sure will. So, Jason, any final words on this one? Is this uh, closing the book on Friday the 13th for I th- you? I think, this is, I think this is it. Of course, you know, I have to uh, drive by uh, Lake Cumberland on a, on a bridge, sure foggy, you know, going home. So I'll probably just uh, scoot my little car right on across the bridge and, and get on home. It <laughs> sputters out. Don't run into the woods, though. Oh, that's, I, that's I, the trick. I promise you I will not be going into the woods tonight. <laughs> I found out how to survive those movies. Don't go in the woods. <laughs> right. It's really that simple. If, if I do, I'm going to scream, I am not a counselor. <laughs> just go scream that over that's and right. over. And if you fall down, just get up. Right. I mean, I don't know why they choose voluntarily not to get up because there's never anything wrong with them. They literally fall down and they forget how to stand and walk again. They just thrash about. Just, just, Fear paralysis, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Well, thanks to all of our listeners. Subscribe to the podcast. Share us with a friend. You can find us on social media with the handle at SlapdashPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Let's hear some of that Friday the 13th uh, famous music as we leave. Here we go.